I'm trying. I'm trying. It's not like I'm not trying, Brohensky. I'm trying hard. Live from Beit Shemesh and broadcasted around the world, you are listening to the From Entrepreneur Podcast with your host, Naham Kligman. Interviews and advice from Jewish entrepreneurs from around the world. Listen, learn, be Masliach. Welcome to the From Entrepreneur, and today I am sitting face-to-face with the man, the myth, the legend, David Reckless, a good friend of mine for a number of years now. Uh, I think we originally met in Uman, right? About, we, did. Uh, we did. About six, seven years? Uh, I don't eight know, years more, ago. Eight years ago. Wow. And uh, we've become pretty close. We found out he's, he's actually probably like more of a twin to me than uh, like a long-lost twin. We grew up very similar. We had a lot of similar passions together. We both used to sell baseball cards and... Uh, we're into sports back in the day and always entrepreneurial. And uh, today, actually, I came to, to speak with David about uh, he's, a, he's a Facebook ads guru and uh, online marketing guru. And so I personally came to speak to him about um, Book Like a Boss. But at the same time, I said, you know what? Let me get him on a podcast. Let's uh, hear a little bit about his story because it's a little bit insane. And I thought you guys would enjoy it. So, David, welcome to the show. Thanks. Happy to be here. So, uh, David, so tell me. So let's let's start a little bit with uh, – Actually, you know what? Give it uh, 60 seconds. What do you do now? And then we'll go back into your background and how you got here, and we'll take it from there, see what happens. Sure. So uh, most of what I do now is I either advise, um, plan, or actually do the growth for startup companies or companies that are doing revenues of under $30 million a year. Okay. So we're, at, we're at under 30, just under $30 million, so I guess we fit your uh, target market, which is good. Um, so, but you also, besides that, you also run, uh, you work for, or you volunteer for, um, uh, was it Breslov, uh, Breslov Research, right? Breslov Israel. Breslov Israel, yes. sorry. Yeah. So, no, so I actually, I work there um, as well. I have a lot of jobs. So, um, Breslov Israel is the outreach organization of Rabbi Shalom Arush. Maybe you're familiar with his books, Garden of This, Garden of That, Garden of Muna. He's the master gardener, written a lot of books. <laughs> and um, so it's a very big organization. There's a, it's about 60-plus people just in the outreach arm, which is called Breast of Israel. Uh, Huchel Chesed is the actual institution itself, and he's got all kinds of schools in Yerushalayim. Um, and so my job is uh, working very closely with Rabbi Lazer Brody and with Yosef Nahama, people that you know very well, is to take the message to the English-speaking audience in the world. So whether that's America, North America, even South America, I wind up in a lot, with, even though it's Spanish-speaking, because um, it's way outside of Hebrew. Uh, and I've been all over the Orient and, uh, uh, as well, and going to where any Jews are that are looking for, uh, to be Makar of Din. And we take Rabbi Shalom's message and Rabbi Nachman's message, and we bring it to them in a real digestible, easy-to-use way. So I've been doing that for about uh, eight or ten years. Uh, my wife is one of their key writers for their site as well, and uh, it's a real zahut to be able to do that work. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's no question. The, the impact that Rav Arush and uh, more specifically Rav, Rav Brody has had on my family, I think, is, is known through my podcast and through other ways. Uh, just really total life-changing, uh, especially the Garden of Muna uh, that Safer uh, changed our lives, and we've given over you know, 200 copies away to people over the years. So it is a tremendous chus, and you also run the uh, in at Uman, right? For uh... I do, I do. So um, if you, anybody knows anything about Breslev, um, Breslev is very, uh, very big on going to spend Rosh Hashanah with the Rebbe, Rebbe Nachman, who um, was uh, was uh, niftar there about two hundred and nine years ago or so, and um, so the 
the annual, they call it pilgrimage, to Uman. Um, now, last year, was about, I heard about forty or 50,000 people went to spend Rosh Hashanah there. Wow. When you and I did our first Rosh Hashanah there, it was closer to probably 20,000. Right. Um, and I know when Rab Brody and Rab Arush started going there, it was just hundreds of people that were going there. And so, yeah, we have about uh, 200, 250 people that come with our group each year. And so one of my projects for Rabbi Arush is to manage that English experience. We have a nice uh, hotel with private mikvah and a private chef. And Rabbi Brody stays here and speaks to all the meals. Rabbi Arush comes in, and we daven with him. And it's really something. I, I would encourage everybody to go at least one time, if your wife lets you, just to check it out because it's just a really, really spiritual experience. And anybody I know that's gone has made lifelong friends from across the country. In the U.S., a lot, a lot of our audience is U.S. or across the world. They just became friends with them in a real spiritual way that guys don't often get that opportunity to meet people like that and kind of open up. So it's, I kind of equated to like what the, what the, um, what Woodstock would have been like, you know, for, uh, for, for from Jews. Yeah. I mean, I, I went there, I think five times always with, uh, with, uh, this program and it is, it's life altering, life changing, gotten brachas from Avarosh, every Rosh Hashanah and got to spend time with, uh, uh, Rav Lazer, who's, uh, one of my Rebbies and, you know, I hold in the highest esteem and, um, and it's, uh, you know, definitely, I, I think that people like tend to mock it and I'm like, don't mock it unless you try, unless you've experienced it, you can't really speak negatively about it because when you're there, it's just like an out of body experience. Imagine a village of 30, 40,000, 50,000 other Jews that are all there for one purpose and that is to get closer to Hashem, to declare Hashem the Melech. And you have all types of Jews just loving each other, smiling, hugging. Uh, you know, I once did, a, I was with, a, I met a friend of mine I hadn't seen in like 10 years there. And we're sitting, we're just, we said, hey, let's play a game. Randomly point to somebody and go over to hu and hug the person. And the first person not to get hugged back loses. <laughs> and, so, and so we did, we actually did this and we're pointing to like the strangest people and we'd have to go out and hug them. And we did it for, we did it for over an hour and nobody denied the hug. And it was just an incredible experience. And the whole experience of the, uh, of the tefillah, the tehillim in the streets, the minyanim, the sense of achdus, the real sense of achdus that is there is just so palatable that it is a life-changing experience. No, it is. I'm the shotgun of the, of the hotel. So we have, like they said, like about 200, 250 people there. But it's a very diverse. So we have a big Satmar group that comes from New York, um, a, a big group that comes from kind of the Ocean Parkway area, people that are coming from Los Angeles. We have a bunch of people that are coming from uh, like places like um, South Africa. Um, Chicago, people, I know you get a bunch. Yeah, the Chicago, the, you know, the UK, all over. And so I try to put everybody in a room together so I think they'll get along well. But it's amazing to me to see the conversations and the friendships that happen between like the most awkward, the most different of people. And it happens there, and they stay in touch, and and uh, and it's unbelievable. And you know, and uh, I, I see these guys like I, I remember one time, like two or three years ago, a bunch of these like um, a bunch of these guys from uh, like Bukharian guys. They they they, they liked the Satmar guys so much, and they went and they davened with them Satmar just to see what it would be like. You know what I'm saying? So it was a great experience. But I love what you said when you started it, and you said, "Don't knock it until you try it." And that's like a great segue into like everything I do for work. Like people are like, oh, Facebook ads. Well, I don't know. I think Facebook's dead now, or or they say this, or oh, no one's buying on Instagram, or you can't monetize Pinterest, and they'll say these things. It's like, well, have you tried it? You know, and even if you've tried it and it hasn't worked, are you looking at what other people are doing too? I mean, and that's the thing. I think people quit before they start. I don't even know if that's even considered quitting or not. But I think it's it's an amazing thing that I just see. And I, yeah, I see it with Uman too. Like, oh, you're one of those guys that goes to Uman. Well, you, you've been before. You've tried. You've tried it out. You know, I mean, it's, it's like that with, I think with anything, you know, and I think with business, it's a, it's a, it's a big, big, I, I think people just box themselves off and, and, uh, and, and also they miss opportunities, right? You know, um, 
they miss opportunities to get involved in something because they say, oh, they don't want to jump onto it until everybody else is doing it. And they miss that, like that you know, then Gary Vee calls it that arbitrage opportunity to get on. And you might not get anything out of it, but if you hit it and you get it, you're, you're, you're in really good shape. Right. And so I think, that's, I think that's a great message just in life. Like, you know, yeah, be cautious and be, you know, and take a look what you're doing, and especially when you're spending money and time in there. But also realize that, you know, if you look at the landscape today of how we market – it's nothing like how we marketed five years ago. Sure. It's nothing like it. The, the way people are consuming information now, it's nothing like it was. It's funny. I, um, uh, in my career, I've done a lot of things. One of the things I did was I was um, chief technologist for a company called EDS, Electronic Data Systems. It was bought by um, HP, and now it's the H- arm of HP Consulting. It's the Ross Perot-founded company. And it was, uh, it was a really, it was a really like, big job. Um, and I had uh, responsibility you know, we, for billions of dollars of technology decisions. And I did the, the research and strategy on it. I remember I wrote a paper for them. I think it was 1998 or 99. And the paper was The Future of the Digital Wallet. And again, I probably got more things wrong than I got right. <laughs> but literally, I, I should see if I can find this on one of my hard drives. I wrote a paper in 1998, 99, it was before 2000, I wrote a paper for EDS that basically said, at some point in the time, I think I, think I said like in the next 10, 15 years, it's pretty spot on, that, that people are just going to go in with their telephone and they won't even need a wallet anymore. They'll be able to just take their phone, run it against the cash register, and they'll get billed and they'll be able to go. Everything's, that phone's going to be everything the wallet was. Wow. You know, yeah, unbelievable. This is before the iPhone even. Oh, way before the iPhone. Yeah, wow. You know, just saw that that's the way things were going to move. You know, again... I probably got somewhat lucky as well, but you know, it just, it's just to me, everything's changing so much. So the people that are resistant to do and try things now, you know, until things are good, even now, like as great as Facebook is right now, and I love it, and I'm not romantic about it. I'm only in there for one reason, because it works, right? right? If it didn't work, I would go somewhere else. I wasn't in there that much two and a half years ago. Probably should have been, by the way. Kind of probably came a little bit late. And even as good as it is now, it was better a year ago. You know, I mean, to get in there, and so that's just something to think about for if you guys out there listening. Like, you know, don't you know, I call it poo-poo things. You know, take it smart, think about it, try it, see what people are doing, but don't just close something off anywhere in life without at least trying to understand what's happening, where it's going from, and that's, that's the Uman comment made me think of that. Right, and it's actually it's a, it is a great segue because you know, being entrepreneurs, I think you know, I think one of the definitions of an entrepreneur is someone that's willing to take risks. Right? If you're not willing to take risk, you're not going to be a successful entrepreneur because you're never going to be successful unless you've, A, tasted failure, and uh, B, if you're not afraid to fail. Like if you're always going to wait till something is proven and works before you're going to move, you are, as you said, going to miss out. Yeah, I mean, I fail every day. Every day I fail. But I fail small. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I skin my knee. I don't tear my meniscus. Right? You know what I'm it's, a small, it's a small failure, and I, and I fail small all the time because I've got to find what works. And in finding what works... I have to go through with everything, and most things don't work. And you find what works, and then you see if you can scale it. Some things work, but they don't work in scale. But you find what works in scale, that's your, you know, that's your oil well, and you just pump it until the crude stops coming out. But that, but that comes with a lot of failures. I, mean, I fail way more than I succeed, but my failures are not catastrophic, mm. and that's the difference. And your successes are, I guess, a lot larger than… Uh... Sometimes. Right. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, I mean the successes outweigh the, the failures monetarily. But only because the methodology that I follow doesn't allow me to take like a Vegas approach and try something with a lot of money, even if I'm under tremendous pressure. Like right now, we're about to close the month, and I'm running uh, e-commerce for a clothing company, okay? 
And so that is end of the month with any company that's got investors and you have numbers out there, it's very difficult. And so the management team would push me to do kind of some crazy things. But ultimately, if they don't work, I'll still get the blame. <laughs> you know? And so I, I have to be the one who says, listen, it doesn't make sense you know, to do that without knowing whether or not it works on a small, small scale. And if I miss my numbers, I miss my numbers, but I want to be responsible as I do it. When you talk small scale, what do you talk in terms of uh, dollars spent and the amount of time? So, so every client that I work with, including myself because I have my own companies, is, everything's different. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, small scale can be literally spending 20 bucks a day. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's certainly small scale. Of course, to get the learnings, it takes longer. Um, you know, I like, to, I like to have – if you ask me how many ads you have running right now, you know, I might say thousands. You'd be like, holy cow, how could you have thousands of ads running? Because it's the same ad – and I've segmented up the audience. And I've done A-B testing. I've t- changed the button here and this and that. And so there's, there's all these out there. So if I want to do it that way to see what works and what doesn't work, and I don't have at least a few hundred dollars a day to spend, I can't really do that kind of testing right. because I need to be able to get you know, a sample size that means something. You know? And that's the thing too, guys. You got to remember, I get this all the time. People, they go and they try something, like in Facebook, for example, and they'll spend some money. And then all of a sudden, it's not working. Or their, their lead cost is $20. But they've been doing it for a day or two. <laughs> I can tell you almost always I start at like between ten and twenty dollars for a lead that would no way would make sense for me. And then I try to get it down to like a buck, buck and a half, two bucks, right? Yeah, hopefully closer to a dollar. And but that takes time. I can't remember the last time that I found something that worked well that it started out like much 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 lower than 10 bucks, mm-hmm. okay? And now for the particular company I just mentioned, the e-commerce company, I have a ton of those ads running across a ton of different audiences and they're all converting at like a buck 20, buck 25, That's which is great. awesome. Sure. Because, and again, and again, there's a whole business behind it, right? So I know- Well, what's the conversion? Signing up for newsletter, actually purchasing a product? So in this case, what I'm trying to do, so I, I would, I heard, I forget who it was that coined, it's not my, this is not my term, but someone coined Facebook as a- um, Circular virality, meaning that, like, I don't spend all my t- Facebook is Facebook. It's not, again, I could care less about it. I don't own stock in it. Just, just, just a place with every, all your customers are there. Sorry, they're all there. Right. Um, and, but no one's going there to buy anything. <laughs> you know, that's the other thing, too, right? No one's going to buy anything there. Right. But, but, if you want to buy something, you're not going to Facebook. Too, right. No, you're going to Amazon, going right? To Amazon, right. So that's, it's a whole different, the, the intent is different. By the way, every platform is different, right? I mean, you know, this is, greatly covered in jab, 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 right hook by Gary Vaynerchuk. Every platform is different. You, if you advertise the same way in Facebook as you do in Instagram, as you do in Twitter, as you do in email, you're not, you're not being very smart about it, right? Mm-hmm. So in, what I do in Facebook here is I want somebody to come over, and this is this lead I was talking about. I want somebody to, to basically, I want to get them into my email list. Okay. You know, people that think email is dead have no idea how to market online. Email is the key to success. The, really? rookie, the, the rookies think that they make their money on the ads, on the front end. You show an ad, some percentage of them buy, and you make your money. But anybody that's been in the business a long time knows that's not where you make your money. All the money's made on the back end. You hope on the front end to cover your marketing costs. Right? If you can get somebody to opt in, get them to your email list, right, and somehow cover the costs through like what's called an OTO, one-time offer, a free plus shipping, do something to get them just so that every, every once in a while somebody buys. And then, for example, let's say it's a buck fifty. To get, my, to get my leads in for this company. So what's 100 leads cost me? 150 bucks. Very good. <laughs> math is, math yeah. is very good. So <laughs> if I can get one, 
if I can get for every 100 leads, $150 in profit, right, by selling a couple things, then I cover my costs, then how, can I, how much can I scale that? As much, uh, indefinitely. Going, indefinitely, indefinitely right? right? So that's all I'm trying to do on the front end. If, if you could make even a penny on that, you know, you'll, uh, right. you could just, you're but, actually but making I, money. I'm just trying you're to, just trying to cover, cover I'm the trying cost. trying to cover my costs, and not always, but if it's my money, and it's my business, then I definitely want to cover the cost. Some businesses say, hey, listen, don't worry about that. Build the list up because we know the money's in the list and go faster, right? And, mm -hmm. and so when that's they, interesting. They, they're not as concerned because they, the, they have the money. But like someone that's bootstrapped, right? right. They say, well, listen, if we dump in $3,000 right now and we can, we can bring in 1,500 new people per month, the $3,000 spend into, into, the, into the we can market to, and we make that money back, you know, roll it, do it again. Maybe we'll put 5,000 in, you know, and keep doing that. And then on the back end, right, that's where you start selling this stuff and making money. Because I know for this particular company, right, that I know that if I can get a 2 or 3% conversion, which I can, for everybody that comes in, and my average order value is X, and my average customer value is Y, I know if it works for me or not. Right. And all that's got to work to make sense. So Facebook is, why is, what's so great about Facebook, I don't want to spend the whole time on Facebook, but what's so great about it is, the bigness and the smallness is what's great about it. Not just the bigness, but it's the smallness that's so great about it. That's what I mean by that. So if I said to you, if you could pick one book like a boss, you, could, you, get, you get one ad or commercial or whatever, you could pick one event, one event, whatever event it is you want, and we're going to do a, an ad or a commercial there. Pick one event for the year. What are you going to pick? Super Bowl, obviously. Super Bowl. Of course you pick Super Bowl, sure. right? Of course you would. That's what, and that's why they get the most money. They get some kind of crazy money. I don't even know what it is anymore for 30 it, seconds. It keeps going up. Like every year, it's like doubles, right. like Whatever 2 million, is, 3 right? million, 4 million. Okay. So now, how many people is that? That's probably, let's call it 100 million 100 people. 100 million people, yeah. 100 million people are going to see your commercial. Now, a couple things. First of all, 100 million people aren't going to see a commercial. People like to, you know, it, it, Super Bowl is the exception, right? Because they'll sit there and watch it because they want to see how good it is. If you pay that money, maybe you can be creative. Right. But, you know, a lot of people won't even watch the commercial. But Super Bowl commercial watching became a sport in itself. So <laughs> it's so different. So let's say they all watched it. How many of those people are going to be interested in whatever you're doing, right? If it's a branding exercise and you're Coca-Cola or, you, you know, whatever, something that just mass appealed to everybody, okay, I get it, right? But most things aren't, aren't to everybody. So you're not really hitting your target audience. You're just getting it out there. It's more of a branding thing. I remember when GoDaddy did it, it was very interesting. But in, 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 and even then, when the internet was hitting big and people were starting to buy all the domain names, you, and they got their word out there. It was very interesting. But still, most of the people probably never bought, of those 100 million people, I'm sure it's safe to say that 50 million of those people never bought a domain name. Right. Maybe 80 million, right. maybe 90 million have still never bought a domain name, right? They've never used, never used any kind of registrar service before. So they're not really hitting their mark so much, right? Because that's not, uh, it's not exactly you know, what they're going against, right? right? But now think about Facebook. If you want to reach 100 million people on Facebook, first of all, you can do it, right? okay? Because they have a lot more than 100 million people out there. Right. Number two, you can do it for a lot less money. I mean, blindly. What would it cost? To blindly, ten thousand dollars. Come on. But again, you're not. It's not going to just be the audience you want, and a lot of it's not going to be the U.S. But you you want to just hit a hundred million people with your message? Yeah. I'm sure for about ten thousand dollars, you could figure out a way to do it. Again, you're going to get a, a very big blend of people. Right. You know, um, and it's not going to be any kind of targeting. But that's but that's Super Bowl. Super Bowl really isn't any targeting. It's not football fans. Yeah, but you know what? You could definitely say that eighty percent of the people watching Super Bowl are Americans. No, 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 right. Okay, sure. But you, you, still could, you could still hit that audience for way less expensive. But more important than less expensive, like if I want to if I, if I go ahead and find housewives in Beverly Hills 
who have an income, household income of $250,000 or more, who own their own house, who buy things on, uh, with credit card, who click on ads at least 50 times a month, I can do that. Right, so it's more targeted. So as big as it is, right, that I, guess the, I guess I heard they're, going, they're turning on the $2 billion, but they're way past the billion. Okay, right. that much we know. And by the way, I think, I, I think yesterday, someone sent me something, one of my partners sent me a note last night that they had a 71% increase in profit on their last earnings came out yesterday. Wow. Yeah, right? Wow. Because, because, the, because the smallness is the bigness. Look at that detailed targeting, the detailed targeting that you can do. It's unbelievable. I have a project coming out uh, soon. Um, right, I mean, just going back to thing before for that, like if, you know, would you rather have 100 million people from the Super Bowl customers or would you rather have 1 million people that actually fits your target that actually more likely to buy from you? No question. Right? There's no question. You know, it, it, without, 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 without doubt. And remember, too, and then you, remember you can follow up with them. You can, put, you can put a pixel on them. There's all kinds of things you can do, right, in this world here. So it's a whole different game. But, you know, everybody's there. And once you figure out one, first you got to figure out who your audience is. A lot of people don't get that. Like, who is your audience? Like, and again, you have these personas or these avatars, whatever you want to call them. I call them personas, right? But you got you to, you know, go back and uh, if anybody here that's ever did uh, uh, software coding, um, there's something called user stories in, um, in agile uh, development. You can look at it anyways. A guy named Mike Cohn wrote a book called uh, um, User Stories. And so when you do agile development, Scrum, Waterfall, whatever, and you want to figure out what features should be in your software, you don't just figure out the features. You figure out the different personas that are in that are using it, including like the back-end admin and then like the different people that would come and use it and then you identify who those people are. You need to do that too with your business. And once you identify who your customer is, again, down to how I detailed it for you before, she's a housewife, she lives in this area of, 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 of California, the house makes this much money. She, does she have kids? Are the kids tweens? Are they teens, right? right? Does she like certain things? Like she likes Susie Orman, which we know she's more, maybe tends to go this way, she's more Republican, she's more Democrat. Look at all the different th- factors out there and then if, they, we, we, if we can match them to somebody that we know our product is aimed at, we can go against that target and see how it works. Right. You, you can't do that in any other medium. Not only that, but you could try 100 different ads to that same target, an A-B test, and consistently refine so you get what works the best. Exactly, and see what works. Let me ask you a question. Tomorrow, you get banned from Facebook. Where do you go? Well, so first of all, how, there's, a, there's a whole recipe how not to get banned from Facebook, right? <laughs> so you have to be smart, and you have to go ahead and Google this, how to go, basically go ahead and set up 50 accounts. So when when your Facebook account gets shut down, which unfortunately it's not that hard to do, especially for marketers. See, Facebook doesn't want marketers on Facebook. They want content creators. Mm. And by the way, if you're not creating content as a marketer, you're going to find yourself in a a world of hurt in the next couple of years. My next prediction. I'm making the prediction here. I I told you about the one that I wasn't, that I can't prove, but you should take (laughs) my word for it, um, that I did in 1998, 99. But I'll tell you right now, all these platforms, Google did it a while ago. Facebook's doing it now, and everybody else is going to follow trend. They don't want, they say marketers ruin everything, right? That's what Gary Vee says. <laughs> I, I believe it. They don't want people like me on Facebook. They want people creating content that the audience wants to see. And even if they have to leave Facebook, they don't want you to leave Facebook. Because right. the more you're on Facebook, the more money they're making. But even if you're going to leave Facebook, they want it to be for a content experience, right? So it's super, super important that, you, that, you, that you, everything you're doing is, is your marketing efforts are content-based, right? You're, you're driving someone with content, and then eventually you're bringing them into the sale. So I want to dig into that because that's a very, very important segue. But before we do, because content creation, content marketing has you know, blown up over the last couple of years. Let's, let's talk a little bit how, what that is. How to get but, there beforehand? 
I just, just I wasn't meaning you actually getting okay, kicked okay. off of Facebook. I mean, okay. let's say Facebook is not okay, available okay. for you. But to before I answer the question, yeah. if you guys are on Facebook and you're earning your livelihood there, go ahead and Google how to have, have the Facebook Business Manager, and go ahead how to you can very quickly without any kind of approval go create ten accounts. You only have to even put credit cards against them. Nothing. That way, if one account gets shut down, you can just jump over to the other one, use a different credit card. Right. And you're good to go in one second. And all your old history, even if you get banned, if you get shut down, all the old history is yours. You can go copy it out with Power Editor and bring it over. Those are all things you can do. But I've seen a lot of people that they're just caught with their, you know, they're caught in a bad, caught in a bad situation where they only had one account. It got shut down, and now they can't create any more accounts because once they it won't let you create more accounts. But if you had 10, 50, or 100 created beforehand, after 10, you have to ask for approval, but they give it to you pretty quickly. Right. You, even if you're not spending anything against it, I just name them different things. I call one Nachman. I call one, you know, one <laughs> Klickman. <laughs> I go one Yehuda. I call whatever I call them. I just have them in the background. So guys, make sure, and gals, make sure that you, you do that. It's a real important thing. So if I couldn't use Facebook, right? Yeah. So that's funny. I was watching a guitar video the other day. I mean, you, have a, you have your, you have your, your, your e-commerce client, right? Right. He's paying you money to go and get a ton of traffic, convert leads, and Facebook is not an option for you. What are you doing? Okay. Not an option for me as a marketer? As a marketer. Okay. So, okay. so what I would do is I would go to um, communities and fan pages, number one in Facebook. Still. No, 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 no. Oh, you, you can't, can't, touch, you can't, no, you can't okay. touch Facebook. Okay. No, I, I, would, I would go hit, uh, I'd go hit online sites and email lists. I would go find email lists that made sense, and I would do avatorial. So I would, I would blend in. So I would have like... How do you find email lists? What's I mean, how do you know they're not spam? How do you know they're, well, they're good? It, 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 there's some testing you do. You, you got to make, make them the right offer. How do you know? You say, okay, they normally, let's say, you find an email list. You think it's good, but it could be, you know, it could be, it could be garbage. A lot of it's garbage today. I say people sell their email list today? Like how does, no, 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 no. So, like, for example, you I say have, my audience doesn't know. They want to hear no, no, you, 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 okay, so basic. The, basics. Okay. Let's talk like book like a boss, okay? Sure. There's a bunch of productivity email lists out there that people are on that are productive people or organized people, GTD, right, getting things done people. There's a ton of email lists out there that have anywhere from 50,000 to probably close to a million people on them, and they get emailed once a week, once a month, three times a month, whatever, and they're looking for productivity tips, mm. right? Or they're looking for you know, the latest, greatest in you know, productivity or in self-help or MB. So I would want to be, I would want to have, I would want to write something, right, that uh, we'll call avatorial. I want to write something about my service or what I'm doing, right, that looks like an article, but obviously, and it's content and it's real right. and it's helping, but if somebody likes it, they're going to say, oh, well, I want to see it, right? That sounds really cool. I like what they're doing. I like the thought process. I like the whole story of how they came up with the whole thing. And you have a great story. Right. Behind Book Like Boss is a great story. And then take them over to click. That the question is, how do you make sure it's not a bad list? So I would say, well, I would say, well how much do you normally get paid? How does it normally work? And I would, and I would give them... I would offer them. And you don't. But wait, you don't get the list. You're just. No, 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 you're no, no. You just, don't get the list. You're marketing. You're never going to see the list. You're never going to see the list. But the bigger problem is maybe they're sending it to a dead list. Right. Maybe maybe no one's opening it. Maybe it's a bunch of bad email addresses. So I make a deal with them that says I, I find out what they normally make, especially when there's you know commissions and affiliate and things like that involved in that, and I offer them more money. I say so normally you get paid like a dollar and open or two. You know whatever it happens to be. Let's just say it's a dollar and open. Okay, great. So. Um, but that's what it works out to. Like you, you charge $1,000 to send to 10,000 people because normally 10% opens it and you get one open. Okay, great. So for your list, you normally charge 1000 for. That's what I'll do for you. You send it out and I'm going to pay you $2 open. Mm. Now, if their list is, is garbage, they're going to say, no, no, I want the money up front. I'll take the 1000 huh. <laughs> Red flag. 
I'm going to give you two. Th- you say, you, oh, you make a dollar, dollar twenty-five. I'm, 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 I'm going to pay you two thousand dollars, basically. Right. Uh, two, maybe more. Two dollars and open. Right. That's how you know if if if, if, if they're kind of full of garbage. Now. But Simple. now, Simple. You, but, but the thing is, people make this other mistake. It's the biggest mistake I see people making here. What they do is, they get an ad, like a banner ad, in the email. Right. That's not effective. Just like it's not effective to have a banner ad when you go to Yahoo. Okay. Right. Most time it's not effective. Right. Right. I mean, I've spent millions of dollars on banner ads. Right. And sometimes they work, but for the most part, display ads we just we've just we, we, we don't even see them. Right. They're, Tune them right, out. It's right. White, white noise. Exactly. So you again, this advertorial you want to you want to mold in with the content. Maybe even your title um, is one that is very um, indicative to what. They talk about in general, and you kind of I don't want you don't want to clickbait somebody, but you can be very creative to get them to come in to, to read what you're doing, and then hopefully you've done your homework. And, um, and again, it depends on reach, right? For you to be in a productivity um, blog, right. right, as an article and a newsletter makes a lot of sense, right? If you were to say, let's say, let's say it was ten thousand people. Now, let's say for the same amount of money, you could be with a general um, uh, newsletter. That people that are probably in business—that's why they subscribe to it. It's a hundred thousand people, same cost. What's better? Well, you have to test it, really, right? I, I, I—if it was up to me, I'd go the ten thousand route because I, want to, I, I want to go with somebody I think is much more likely to be, uh, you know, using the service. Mm-hmm. But I mean, those are the kinds of things you have to figure out. The bigger the, the bigger the reach, the less likely are oftentimes, not always, of course, that you're going to not be able to hit them, but you might get a, a lower cost. It's harder to monetize something that's not niche. That's why the best email lists are niche. Right. But how do you find them? Like Facebook is easy. You go in Facebook, put, put in ads, and you'll up and running in 10 minutes. Uh, putting how, do you find them? how do you find these guys? Two words. Research? Hard work. Hard work. Yeah, <laughs> come on. What do you right. do? You get out there and you just start going. I, I think I find these things. I start Googling and going here and looking at this blog and looking at what they do. And I go to Facebook and I look at this fan page and do they have a blog and what's going on? And I, is there an email list I can sign up for? And I sign up for all the email lists so I can get the email lists. Like I, I have, you know, in the productivity space, I, did, I had a client who did some work for in the U.S. last year. I'm on like, I'm on like 50 productivity blogs because I wanted to see what it looked like before I went to them and asked them if I, could, if, I, if I could buy an ad or basically an article. I wanted to see what it looked like myself. I went and found the top productivity blogs and for the last few years. And I went to, um, uh, uh, I, I, I bought, a th- uh, bought one of these uh, uh, deals on AppSumo where you could basically go ahead and, um, I what it was called, but basically it was like a market research and I could plug in things that would go across all the newspapers and all the blog sites and start showing me who's writing about stuff. Hmm. And you say, maybe they'll write about, you know, maybe they'll write about me, right? But it, 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 it's just hard work. Remember, the game here, it's no different than when we were doing direct mail Right. No different than when we were doing, um, uh, you, know, you know, classified ads. It's it, it, direct response. It's all the same thing. The, the delivery platform has changed. Right. But, like, the things that worked well, like, if you, if you, if you want to be a marketer and you don't know who Gary Halbert is, mm. he passed away, but if you've never heard of him before, I don't know how you could think you could – I don't know how you possibly could think that you've researched enough about marketing because there are people out there that have done – you know, sent out like letters to went to people's homes that got like 20 or 30 million letters that went out there and generated like hundreds of millions of dollars in sales, right? right? Through, you know, direct mail. Those same messages, when adapted slightly and targeted correctly, 
Resonate now. By the way, the same things have always sold. I, I read books from the early 1920s and 30s, and I see it's the same It's the Same, same things. techniques you're it's, saying. It's, 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 it's the same things. Making money, learning how to do something, relationship issues, right. okay? Um, health issues. These are, oh, these are the things that have always gotten people to open up their pockets and buy things when they weren't sure. Hmm. It's, not, it's no different to, than today. It's no different at all. You just have to go ahead and, you know, and, and, and so if it worked then, try to adopt it now. There's no really, there's not a lot of. We're, same as, the, yeah. we're still the same emotional human yeah, beings. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's, the emotions haven't changed. The, the psychology of getting someone to do something has changed. One of my favorite articles ever, you can Google this, type in, um, type in uh, learning how to play piano, best ad of all time. And so this ad is from like 19, I think in the 1920s. And the ad's in the newspaper, of course. And is, you, see, you see a guy, it's, it's, it's been like, you know, drawn out of a guy sitting at, at the piano, playing the piano at a party. Everybody's in awe. And it goes like this. When I walked up to the piano at the party after so-and-so got done playing, all my friends started to laugh. Like, oh, here comes a joke. This guy can't play piano. He doesn't know how to play any music. And they're all joking like, oh, he's going to make it, you know, he's going to do something funny now. And then when I started to play, they all were all quiet and their mouths hung open. You know, he was, it was the experience and as a musician, you love it. Like no one knows. And you sit down there and he just rocked it out, right? It was amazing on the piano. And then it talks about how he learned how to play at this correspondence school and nobody knew and he'd been doing it for a year and a half and that's when he did it, right? It's the same emotions. I'm uh, really big into guitar, as you know. And so when I'm looking at the guitar market and the music market, it's the same thing, right? Everybody who doesn't know how to play very well wants to learn how to play better. And so they play off those same emotions and that same, wouldn't it be great to be able to sit down, pull out your guitar, pull out your whatever it is you're using, you know, your flute or your, your piano. You wouldn't pull the piano out, you sit down to it, whatever, <laughs> and be able to play it like that. And that's, and that's the same emotion. And it's a great ad. And I, and, I, and I look at that ad often to say, wow, things haven't changed. It's the same thing today, almost 100 years later. Awesome. So let's talk about content creation because that is the big buzzword today. I know that's something that uh, in our company we're looking into. Um, Hill Fold is a big, uh, you know, very pro content marketing, uh, whether it's, and we can talk about the different types, whether it's uh, um, live video, video uh, content, articles. So let's, let's delve into that. What do you see working? What do you see, you know, sure. if someone had, what's, uh, someone had a thousand dollars a month budget, what's he doing with that money in yeah. terms of content creation? So I, I, even, I, I don't even think about money here. Eventually you're going to. I think about, again, going back to, what, what, when, when, Jerry, when Gary Vanderchuk says, jab, 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 right hook, what does he mean? He means give, 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 and ask. ask. Right. right, so that is a trifecta that you need to have when it comes to people buying your stuff. No like and trust. People buy from people or from brands that they know, that they like, and that they trust. So if you're coming out with book like a boss, and now for me to buy those, I, I know like and trust you because we, we know each other, right? Right. But you know, Sam. In, you know, in Minnetonka, Minnesota, doesn't, but somehow this got in front of him. Right. Targeting, friend sent it, whatever. He was researching it, found it. But he, and it looks really interesting to him, right? And that's why with a freemium model works well. But he doesn't know, like, or trust you yet, right? So I would be creating content that would help somebody know who I am, like me, and start to trust me. Like, for example, if I was selling uh, dieting, um, uh, uh, you know, that kind of uh, supplementation, which is very big online, right? Right. I would, uh, I would, I would give away, I would create a free, um, either uh, written or video, on how to lose five pounds 
in one week without exercising. Okay? Mm-hmm. So now someone that wants to lose weight says, okay, well, I know if I exercise, I'm going to lose weight, but I'm not exercising, and so I'm not losing weight, right? They know that. So, okay, that's interesting. I don't want to exercise. So, okay, so I'm going to try that. Now, if I can get them, maybe it's two pounds, whatever it happens to be, if I can get them success with that for free, wow. Now, they not only know who I am, and they kind of like me because they, they got to they win. You know, in gamification, my friend Yukai Chow, who's the ultimate authority, you can look at octalysis. You can Google octalysis. He calls it a Can't win. Can you spell state. octalysis? <laughs> I'm going to Google it. <laughs> <laughs> Yukai Chow. Do Yukai Chow TED Talk. It's uh, Y-U-K-A-I-C-H-O-U, and um, he's a gamification expert. He has a thing called win state. A win state is making somebody feel good about something, right? That's how these games work. Oh, I feel good. I got, I got a little something out of it. If I can get you to lose two pounds or five pounds, you feel good about it, right? And now when I come to you and say, I'm going to show you how to lose 30 pounds in six weeks without exercising, but it's going to cost you money, right? you trust me a little bit more now. Why? Because sure. I already gave you the win. I already gave you the trust. So when it comes about creating content, I'm not just creating content to create content. I'm creating content to give value. I'm giving the value for free. And by the way, guys, this just works. Like, I didn't invent this. I'm not smart enough to invent this, but I'm smart enough to see like 500 people that I follow who make a lot more money than me, who I respect and who are ethical, right. so it seems. Um, I see them doing well with it, and so I tried it, and it works for me too. You so know? what type of – we're talking about creating a blog. We're talking about writing articles um, on uh, – what's the platform? Uh, medium medium no no no, no. Or is I, it again, creating again. videos doing live videos what, so if, what, if, what's if, content okay, here if money's not an option or if, if money's not a, a, a prohibitor you have right. some money to spend I would create um, not a video and not an ebook I would create like a checklist or a guide something that was like a couple pages easy to consume okay and I would have that be what's called a lead magnet, sure. right? You can Google what lead magnet is if you don't know. And that would be my lead magnet on Facebook or whatever, Instagram. Download this free report. The, the, yes, exactly. It's ten, fr- ten ways book, you, you, uh, you can use a book like a boss, or ten, not even a book like a boss, ten ways that you can get more business by taking appointments or something like that. Right, right, right. How to get that all-elusive meeting, mm. right? Something that is in my genre, but, does it, but you don't have to buy my product. To learn and gain from it. right. Exactly. Um, you, you, it just it makes sense. And if, you, and, and if that means something to you and you like it, my product will also probably mean something to you too and it probably makes sense also. Right? So I would create this great content. Now, I would try to create the content as a lead magnet to get somebody in my list and then go and market to them afterwards. That's, to me, that's the way you do business if you have money. No question. It's fast. You can figure out if it's working. You can start again at 20 bucks a day and then scale it up as much as you want to and figure that out. Why is it so expensive? What, what's the cost? You, no, you're saying if, if money's no object, but why? How much would it cost to, to put together no, a lead magnet? No, no, that, no, no. The expensive part is the marketing part of it. Oh, I see. So okay. I, the, I, I want to get. I, I want to build. The, I want to build a then, list to a million. Right. It cost me a buck fifty to get people in. Oh, right. I need, million, I need a million five hundred thousand. Right. And, and about a thousand dollars to create the lead magnet with nice stuff around it. That's all. Uh-huh. So that's what I, I would do. Now, um, who was who's the guy who created Kiss Metrics? Um, Patel, Neil Patel. Neil Patel. Yeah. So, I I. Caught somebody talking about uh, they, they hired him and he spent time with him, hired him personally, and he wanted to know what he was doing these days to build his own personal brand up. And he gets about, he was getting about, this earlier in the year, about 1,700 organic opt-ins a day. So every single day, wow. yeah, every single day, about 1,700 people organically opt in to what he's doing. Now, here's the strategy he deployed. 
Now, it's the, it's the long game strategy, guys, okay? The short game strategy is what I just told you about because you're going to get leads right now immediately if you have money. Right. I get leads, hundreds or thousands of leads every single day for my businesses that convert, but it costs me thousands of dollars to do that, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm not getting leads for less than a, 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 a buck something, right. right? So you can do the math. So if you have something that's evergreen, so evergreen means something that, you know, so you're not creating something that's only for the 2016 right. election, right? Because when it's gone, you don't need the product anymore, right? Maybe it was a barf bag. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it happened to be. So you're creating something that's evergreen. So take Book Like a Boss, right? Book Like a Boss, if you have the need to go ahead and manage your business in the way Book Like a Boss amazingly lets you do it, right? Then you have that need now. You had it a year ago. You have it a year from now. Right. So you start creating the kind of content I'm talking about right now. There's these different like um, these lead magnets, but you're creating them as blog posts, okay? And you can also create them as video. Remember, if you create a video... Then you can transcribe the video and you can use it as a blog post and you can rip the audio off and make it a podcast. So you can take a video and make it into three, into three different things, mm-hmm. right? A video, a blog post, and a, and a, and a podcast all from one thing, right. which is one thing to do. But his, his thing is – And then you could also take a, a snippet from that or a quote to make a graphic around it. Yeah, you can make, a, you can make an infographic, et cetera. Yeah, you, right. not, you can do. So his thing is create content every – Single day hmm. for, for our audience, six days a week, not including Hagim, right? <laughs> you, create, you, create tra- you create traffic, you create, you create content every single day, and you just put it out there. And what's going to happen? Nothing. You're going to get a lot of uh, traffic from it this month? No. People are going to come buy stuff? No. What about next month? No. What about the next month? No. What about the next month? No. But eventually what's going to happen is it's going to hockey stick up. Google is going to start to see you have a lot of content out there. And it's about the same stuff, and it's going to start showing it more and more, assuming that you're creating content that people want. You're not creating how to you know, send mice to the moon, right? It right. makes sense, the content you're creating. And then that's what Patel did, and that's how he got all these leads. And it works. I've seen other people do it as well in other niches. And so you can't see it now, but think about it like – think about it that – you know, it's kind of like, again, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go, it's going to go like nothing, 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 nothing. And then it's going to start to go up, 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 and it stays up. You just keep creating content, keep creating content, keep creating content. But if you're not willing to give it a year of creating content every permissible day, then don't bother. But it works, and it's, and it's cheap. Yeah, people we don't, people don't have patience today anymore. Well, Everybody wants to click the button and have well, the results you, right away. You know, you know, you know. What do I, what do I, I had a, a lead developer when I was in a Spanish media company. He used to say to me, um, "Time, money, or functionality? Pick any two. <laughs> you know, I, 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 mean, I mean, you know, if you're on a shoestring, you know, even if you're not, even if I wasn't on a shoestring, Neil Patel's getting seventeen hundred free opt-ins a day for regular, you know, types of business advice." That's unbelievable. That would cost me like $2,000 a day. Right. That's like $700,000 a year. So it's not worth going ahead and spending a couple of years and creating content on the side. It doesn't have to be amazing content. It has to be decent content, but it can be short. But have it be meaningful. Give somebody a nugget every single time. Hmm. You know, a great way to do this, I saw one, uh, one way is, so I said, well, I, I don't know what to write about, David. Like, I, don't, I can write like for a couple of days or two weeks. What am I going to write about? Okay, so here's what you do. Nachum comes to me and says, okay, listen, I'm out of ideas. I've been doing it for a month. I'm out of ideas. And oh, by the way, you're right. No one's coming. <laughs> you were right. You nailed it. Another prediction. I'll say, okay, go find for me the best-selling books on Amazon about productivity. Go in online. Look at the table of contents. 
and start doing blog articles of each chapter. Nice idea. Right? Nice idea. You can just keep going. There's no limit to content that you can create and make and, and, and make your own. And you can even say, you know, hey, and you should go read this book maybe. You're creating content because you want to become an authority. You want them to sign up for your list to get more of that content, and then you want to be able to market to them because the big money is made on marketing through email. That's where the big money is made. If you're selling a digital product, if you're selling a SaaS product, digital I mean like a digital download, like a, a courseware, right. uh, a SaaS product, or you're selling e-commerce, that's where the money's made. And they the, list. Yeah, and now the email auto marketing automation, we were talking about that before the podcast started. It's unbelievable what you can do with some of these platforms out there. I mean, it's unbelievable. This is where I, I spend a lot of my time, make a lot of my money training people on what, the, what they can be doing with their email list if it's properly connected to the rest of their ecosystem to know what they're doing, how often they're going to site, what they're looking at, what they're abandoning, what their browsing looks like, how often they're opening an email up, how often they're clicking on it. You can start to see who's your hot, warm, and cold market and market to them all differently. Amazing. Wow. You really gave a lot to digest, and uh, I really appreciate it. It's uh, really been phenomenal. If someone wants to find you, uh, learn more about you, where should they go? LinkedIn? You have a website? Yeah, LinkedIn. I'm not, I'm, there's not that many recklesses out there. It's spelled with one S, R-E-C-K-L-E-S. You can see <laughs> me on LinkedIn, um, what have you. You know, I, 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 you know, everybody has their challenges. Mine is I'm, I'm busier than I need to be, so if I don't answer you back or if I'm not interested in the opportunity, you know, I apologize. It's not, it's not personal. Yeah, it's not personal. It's just that I, um, you know, I need 40 hours in a day, <laughs> just, just like you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, David, thank you for taking the time. It's been really awesome. and gave a lot to think about, a lot to digest, and I uh, greatly appreciate it, and I look forward to uh, learning more from you, and actually, uh, let's see if we can work together on uh, Book Like a Boss together. Okay, my pleasure. Thanks so much. Oh, you know what? Just one thing. I forgot. We didn't even get into your background at all. So we're out of time for that right now because we already reached the forty-five minute mark. Amazingly enough, I'll give you. I'm going to give you a ninety-second background because I think you'll appreciate it. Right? Go so, ahead. Ninety okay. seconds. David records okay. ninety seconds. Okay. So in uh, nineteen eighty, I got my first computer, and uh, it was a it was a Vic twenty Commodore, and I started writing code for that out of Basic magazine. Um, and I saw how to write a war dialer. I talked my parents into buying a modem, and I called every single number in the 312 area code from 10 o'clock at night to 6 o'clock in the morning to know I bothered everybody because I didn't understand that it was a problem to figure out which of those were connected to computers, right? That was my four-way in. Then I said, hey, you know what? I figured out if I bought two disk drives, how to copy software and sell it. Of course, I didn't know there was something called piracy. So my first... <laughs> this is before piracy. Yeah, so it was called Mad Software. So my partner was my next-door neighbor. Her name was Merrill, and her father owned the computer store. Merrill and David Software, M-A-D, Mad software and so I would copy software and sell it all across uh, the Chicagoland area until I realized there was a problem thank God nothing ever happened <laughs> moving on from there um, about four years um, I was I spent most of the next four years selling baseball cards and going to baseball card conventions how that works and then because I was computer savvy and I was going on to all these bulletin boards, I found some bulletin boards of uh, card shops on the West Coast to start out with, and they were putting buy orders in for cards. What happens in the card world back in 86, 87, there was what's called a hometown hero. So Will Clark, Kirby Puckett, um, Ruben Sierra, Mattingly. Don Mattingly, uh, Roger Clemens, Strawberry Gooden. They were all worth a bunch of money back then before right. we knew what crunk was. They, there was a lot more of these cards made than we realized. It's called crunk. Um, Found out about 20 years later. And so <laughs> these cards were worth a lot more, though, in their hometown market. So, like, for example, I could buy the 19, I think it was 86 Don Russ update, Will Clark, or 87, I forget what it was, one of those two, with the 86 with the green background. I could buy them for $9 all day long. I'll tell you, I'll tell you. Uh, Will Clark and Sierra, update. And Sierra was in it. It was a, it was a Don Russ was 86. update set. 
86? Yeah. Remember the card was super, super thin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it bends real easy. So you could buy them all day long in, in uh, 87 was 87 tops was the big year with Sierra, McGuire, right, 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 right. Will Clark. Right, that was the regular guys. card. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. This was the 86 Down Rush Rookies Update. So they were like $7.50 to $9. You can buy them all day long in Chicago. And I had a, a 15 to $17 order in on the West Sosa Coast. Sosa was there also now. Yeah, but he wasn't that big then. McGuire no, but was big. The Sosa yeah, card McGuire was, was getting big, and they had, that, he had that Olympic card from 85. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the so, 85 up. They tops up no, there. No, no, no. In 85, they had the whole Olympic, remember? The Olympic yeah, the team, yeah, the yeah, tops. Yeah. So that was McGuire's first card before he was a pro. Right, right. wasn't his most valuable card, but it was, it, was, it, was a, it was a very desirable card. I remember that, sure. Okay. So I would go around with my two friends, Howard and Carrie. We would go to all the card shows over the weekend, buy these cards up, make sure they're in good condition, and then UPS them off to the store. And then the guy would send me a money order. And so I found other card shops in other areas in the country. And that's what I did. And I made, we made a killing. Wow. I had this, like, we called it the Locksmobile. I had a 1981 Datsun B210, the color of locks. Like, <laughs> I bought my own, with my own, with my own, with my own bar mitzvah money. And, um, and we went around and did that. It was, that was my really, really super entrepreneurial. So right. I did that. Um, fast forward, um, I went into sales and I did sales for many, many years. And then one of my clients in sales was this guy named Roger from the West coast. He lost his whole house during the big earthquake of whatever the big earthquake was in San Francisco and like must've been in the early nineties, 92, 93. Um, and so he moved out to Chicago. He's a network engineer and he, we started talking and, uh, I was like, I think I was personally training him, whatever I was doing. And he started talking about what he was doing computer wise. And I just relit my technology passion that had been dormant for so many years. Right. And I decided that I was going to walk away back then, back then, this is, this is in the early nineties. I was making over six figures, low six figures, but over six figures every year. Right. And I walked away for it to take a job, um, to making $32,000 a year. Everybody thought I was just, you know, Insane. I, I, I had, I had serious mental problems. <laughs> um, and I went into the computer world, 1994. Wow. So I walked away, had you know, four years of over $100,000 a year income, walked into that for $32,000, but I, I had met somebody that was a professor, and he was so happy in his life, and I said, you know what? I can find happiness and make money also, and sales wasn't making me happy, and I never looked back. A couple of years later, I mean, I, I served as chief technologist for American Airlines, United Airlines. I ran the, um, I ran the, the, the global networks for companies like, like BP Amico and Dow Network. I've, I've been involved as chief technology officer for a bunch of companies. I've had startups. I've sold startups. So, Brook Hashem, everything like worked out really well. Um, and, and it's interesting. Along the way, I tried to kind of break out and take some really kind of not great jobs. And like Hashem never let it happen. Like I tried <laughs> to take a job with the University of Illinois. That would be great. I'll go back to school. I'll learn for free. And as a network engineer, they didn't take it. I would have stayed there probably. I saw an interview today by, you know, Grant Cardone? Yeah, sure. So he interviewed a guy named Jordan Zimmerman this week. And Jordan owned Zimmerman Advertising Agency in Florida. And they gave me a, a, a friend of mine used to work there. They gave me an um, interview uh, a while back. And I was traveling a lot for EDS. And my wife didn't like it. And I said, I could take this job here in Florida and stay there. It wasn't a mediocre job. I don't pay like a buck and a half, $150,000 living in South Florida with kids going to private school. That's not a lot of money. Um, and, um, and I didn't get the job. And I was like, well, I can't, I didn't get the job. Like I'm way overqualified. Couldn't be, but thank God, like again, all the things in life, you can look back and like, you know, thank God. So that's what got me here. And, um, uh, you, just, you know, we decided we wanted to make Aliyah. Um, Rob Brody gave us a, a three to five year plan. My wife heard three to five months, <laughs> and we were here in three to five months, wow. and thank God we didn't give it too much thought, and uh, <laughs> Hashem, we're, uh, we are two weeks away from six years. Wow. That's the Amazing. background. Amazing. Beautiful. 
All right, David, thank you so much. Thank you again. I know my audience is going to love this episode. Thank you for listening to the From Entrepreneur Podcast with Nahum Kligman. We hope you learned something valuable and will share this with your friends. For show notes, archives of previous episodes, and more information to help you start and grow your business, please visit our website, www.fromentrepreneur.com. Listen, learn, be Masliak.